0: Welcome back to Winning Within, your go-to self-development podcast. This is your host Orlando Avalon, the lover of philosophy and the fuck buddy of wisdom. Today I am back with Dave Wright, a hypnotherapist who helps facilitates helps and facilitates transformational processes for people who are open to that kind of change. Welcome back, Dave.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: My absolute pleasure. Um, today, we're going to be talking about spiritual alchemy, and I thought it might be good to start with a definition, spiritual alchemy, as well as a definition of a spiritual alchemist.
1: Yeah, and this is something that's sort of um, developing at the moment. This is an idea that we actually uh, sort of, you could say, got born in the other podcast that we were doing, and uh, so this is a sort of a temporary um explanation of what this is what this idea is so at the moment the working definition of um, spiritual alchemy is the art practice skill or action of using unconditional love hypnosis and an empowering mentality to transform anything including negative thought processes negative beliefs and uncomfortable feelings into something positive helpful and even magical and uh, a spiritual alchemist, then, in this work in definition, is a spiritual being that takes the responsibility for their own happiness and practices the art, skill, or action of spiritual alchemy to empower themselves and to empower others that are also open to it.
0: Okay, so ba- based on the definition of spiritual alchemy, does that mean that we can transform all beliefs, all disempowering beliefs, into empowering ones? Absolutely. Yeah. Shall we start there? How, yeah, let's how start do we then. do that?
1: Well, have you got one? Let's use one as an example because that's always a lot more um, uh, insightful. Let's say. Than sure. Just talking about a, a um, abstract
0: one. One of mine would be that uh, it would take quite a lot of time for me to make a lot of money.
1: Okay. Uh, make a lot of money because?
0: Because what? Yeah. Well, why would you want to make a lot of money? Oh, uh, why would I want to make a lot of money? I feel like it would give me opportun- provide me with opportunities to live life much more aligned to the way that I would like to live it myself. Mm-hmm. First of all, it would allow me to live in a, a nice, comfortable place in the center of the city. It would allow me to, uh, travel as much as I like, uh, to go on holiday to nice places, go see my mum as often as I want, mm-hmm. um, to buy myself nice clothes. I really like, uh, clothes and, uh, it would allow me to invest more into my podcast, Yeah, uh, invest in like marketing, invest in better equipment. So we wouldn't have to like hold the mics like this, we Mm -hmm. can get these like nice Joe Rogan metallic arms. We could just (laughs) adjust, you know, um, get some cameras, can pay people to, um, do what, what is not really my, uh, what aren't really my talents, like chopping up videos, editing them, that kind of stuff. I could just pay someone or people to do all of that stuff. And then like post them all on social media and, uh, start, uh, promoting it, get more of an audience, etc. It would also allow me to like travel to different places. If there are like certain people I want to interview that I've reached out to in different countries, I could just fly over there because yeah. I got loads of money now. So mm-hmm. I can just do that. Um, yeah, like uh, a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, I, I think, yeah, it, it would allow me to uh, create a life. Um, that would be deeply fulfilled by.
1: Yeah. So basically you want fulfillment. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you have that fulfillment right here, right now?
0: Could I have it?
1: Yeah. How fulfilled do you feel right now during this podcast? Very. Yeah. Yeah. So do you need money to feel fulfilled?
0: No.
1: So what would happen if you just stayed in that frequency of feeling fulfilled all the time? What do you think would happen over time?
0: That my life would reflect that fulfillment back to me. Exactly. And I'd probably get all of those things that I've been talking about. And more. And more.
1: Yeah. By just staying in that feeling of fulfillment. Because the idea is that you have to have a lot of money to do all those things to get that fulfillment. That's the illusion. It's mm -hmm. the other way around if you stay in the frequency of feeling fulfilled by doing what you love to do, suddenly you'll realize that you've already got all enough money and enough like, uh, cause you don't even really need to have the money. You know, you might, because you're feeling fulfilled and you make connections, people might think, I want you to come to my country and talk about this. You know, you don't need the money. Then they'll pay for you to go there. So the, the belief there is that I need money to feel fulfilled When really you can feel fulfilled right now and the money might come later when it doesn't even have to be money, you know, can be many other different ways because there's many different ways that you can experience abundance because the idea then is that like the money is going to give you the abundance to be able to do those things. When really that's just one way.
0: Okay. And so when you say stay in that feeling of fulfillment, practically speaking, like right now we're doing the, the podcast and I, I feel fulfilled doing this. Um, in a few hours I'll be, let's say, on the bus on my way to the gym and, and I have that thought. Oh, Dave was saying, you know, was suggesting that I stay in that feeling of fulfillment. What do I do then? How do I direct my mind in such a way that I'm in that feeling of fulfillment?
1: Well, you could ask yourself in that moment, what would be the most fulfilling action that I could take right here, right now? That would give me a feeling of fulfilment inside. And that could be anything. Could even be like, did you say you were on the the bus or something like that? You might just realise, you know what? It feels so great to just be on this bus at the moment. Just driving along. Just taking it easy. I feel so fulfilled. just feel connected with everything. Just because it's okay for me to be on the bus. I'm just going from one point to another point just living my life, just enjoying the moment. And in that way, you feel fulfilled. Because the funny thing about it is is that like, if you stay in that feeling of fulfillment all the time, it's almost like time disappears. So think of it like when you play something or you're doing something or you, you've gone somewhere, you might've gone to a concert or you might have, like some sports event, or whatever it is. Time flies when you're having fun because it disappears. You're not thinking about the future i have to get there to feel fulfilled you're already feeling that fulfillment right here right now you don't need to go anywhere because there is nowhere else of course there is no not here and not now that's just an illusion created by the mind and it comes up with this belief i need all this money so that i could get to this place and then i'll feel fulfilled when really your heart says well we could just feel fulfilled right now and just enjoy the journey and not even notice that we're even on that journey at all because we're not waiting for some imaginary time in the future. We can have it right here, right now. No need to wait.
0: So it, it sounds like it's about focus. Um, it's sort of,
1: again, it's a, it's about recognition that those feelings, they're not outside you. They're not in an imaginary future. They're always inside you. They're always available right here, right now. And it's the kind of questions that you're asking yourself, you know, and the kind of definitions and meanings you give into things, they're going to create the feelings. And when you're creating feelings that, like, are resonating with you, like fulfillment would be a big one, then that's telling you, yeah, you know, no need to wait. You can have it right here, right now.
0: Mm.
1: And the funny thing about it is is that because you're not focused on all the things that could go wrong and, and you're not in lack the whole time thinking, I need that money so I can feel fulfilled. Cause that's where it's, that's why I asked you, like, you know, I let you explain all the whole thing. And the obvious question then is, imagine I have all those things, what I've just said. How would I feel? That's the way to sort of discover the, the feeling that's driving it because it's coming from the word emotion and it? it's like in motion. It's put you in motion. It wants to motivate you to do something. And the emotion in this sense would be that feeling of fulfillment. And the idea is that the mind, it lives in that place called not here and the time called not now, which it's either completely scared of and thinks, oh, my God, I don't want to go there. Or it thinks it's the best place ever and it's way better than here. And it creates that illusion for you that, like, you need to do all those things and have all that money to feel that feeling when your heart's like, I could just feel it right here right now because the mind's always comparing to things, it often, if you're going to compare with things, you better compare yourself towards, like, um, in a positive way. So most people think, like, you know, I'm not better than other people because other people have got a bigger house than me, they might have a bigger podcast than me, more subscribers, they might have more money than me, and therefore, I'm less than them. When really, you could compare the other way around and look to see what you've already got. That's one of the secrets of happiness, actually, is to want what you've already got. So in my case, if I'm sitting there like that, I could say, well, I want two working legs where I can walk around all the time. Now, some people listening to this, they might not have those legs. And for them, that might be the the one wish that they want to have. They might have accepted that and they'd be okay with it. And I don't need legs because I accept myself the way I am. Other people might want legs, you know. I've got a roof over my head. I've got a bed to, to uh, where I can sleep in. Some people don't have them, So I'm not comparing to make myself better. I'm just comparing from the, the fact that I have things that other people would definitely want in their life, but they don't have them, you know? So it doesn't make me any better or any worse because that's not what it's about. It's just about appreciating the things that I've already got. And it's often the things that you take for granted all the time. So if you get stuck in that like comparing sort of uh, mechanism, you can just ask yourself, what do I appreciate here and now? You know, what have I got here and now that I appreciate? And often when I ask people, first of all, they say, oh, I don't know, I haven't really got much, you know. Well, tell me what you do have instead of what you don't have. So we've said it many times before, haven't we, you know. It's about focusing on what you do want and what you do have and what you do appreciate instead of what you don't, because it puts you on a different frequency. It puts you on a frequency of fear and lack. And when you're on that frequency, what are you going to get back? You're giving out fear and lack. The universe is a mirror. It can't do anything other than give you back fear and lack the whole time. But if you're giving out like appreciation and, you know, uh, In what was the word you used before? Fulfillment. You're giving that out. It's going to have to give you it back because it's just a mirror. It's going to mirror it back to you. So you're walking around all the time. Like we said, you could be on that bus thinking, what great that I could just like get on this bus and like, you know, go from one place to the other. It's a nice ride. It's like, you know, it's a little bit hypnotic when you're on the bus, isn't it? You know, things are going past. There's all things like this. You're just relaxing. There it is. You're going from A to B. You're living your life. You could just appreciate that. You'd be on that frequency of appreciation. And because you're on that frequency of appreciation, you're sending appreciation into the universe. The universe is a big mirror. It's going to reflect that right back to you. It's going to give you more appreciation.
0: And how do you, how do you feel that appreciation? Because I can think of the fact that I have two legs right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is good. And I can recognize that uh, many people actually don't have two working legs. So... That is a blessing. But when I think about it just like that, I don't feel too much emotion.
1: Yeah. Well, you could sort of do a little thought experiment for yourself. So imagine, and let's hope that it never happens, but imagine you actually do lose those legs. Just imagine what that would be like. For like, if I were set to say to you for the next five minutes, you've got no legs, and now you've got to go and do all the things that you would normally do. So you won't be getting on that bus because you haven't even got a wheelchair at the moment. You'd be very happy to have one because you could get around then. So if you really want to go into it, you really want to experience it. Like we said before, the power of pretending, it's like it's a hypnotic induction. You could go into it and really pretend for a moment that you've got no legs. So try to go and make a cup of tea now with no legs. You're going to have to crawl across the floor. You'll be lucky if you can reach the kettle, put the water in it. Just do that for five minutes. You don't even actually have to do it. Just pretend that you're doing it in your mind. And then just think to yourself, you know, imagine that this was my life. I don't have any legs. It could be anything, you know. Imagine I don't have any roof over my head. Imagine I don't have any clothes. Imagine I don't have the job that I have at the moment that pays the bills and gives me food and stuff like that. And really go into it and really experience it. And then just imagine that, like, you know, you find a little lamp on the floor and you rub the lamp and the genie pops out and says, oh, I've been stuck in there for thousands of years and that. Like, I'm so appreciative that you rubbed that lamp and got me out. You've got one wish. What do you want? Be like, give me a pair of legs that work. and that, like, I love it. Give me a roof over my head. Give me some money where I can go and buy some food whatever it is that your thing is that you really, really want, you know. And then suddenly realize, wow, my wish has been granted. I do have those legs. And I do have that roof over my head. And I do have enough money to go and buy some food. So again, it's using the power of pretending. You don't really feel it. You're not really appreciate it you are appreciating it but it's on a very superficial level so if you want to go deeper into it just pretend for a moment that like the opposite is true and then realize how relieved you would feel how thankful would you be you know if you didn't have any legs and all you thought about and that like is i'd love to have a pair of legs like just to walk around and stuff you know i'd love my dream that would be their dream think of anything what's your dream you know that's how that's how appreciative you would be if you just the magic wand was waved or the genie would just make the little adjustments and then suddenly that's your reality now how thankful would you be and you can experience that right here right now by just going into a little hypnosis with yourself by pretending that it's you know that you haven't got those things at the moment and then just realizing wow i do have those things and once you do that You'll start to start resonating on the frequency because even if you don't really feel it that much, just the thought of it, it's still there. You know, it might be a weak signal, but it's better than nothing. Mm. At least you're not in lack. So even if you're not feeling it and you're just sort of neutral, then that's better than to be neutral than to be in lack and fear all the time of like, you know, I'll never be able to do this because I can't do this. You're just repeating stuff back to the universe saying, I can't do it give me more lack, give me more fear, give me more whatever, you know. So even if you're neutral, that's better than nothing. At least you're not resisting, you know. Mm -hmm. Because the universe is always trying to give you what you want. It's always trying to do it. The only way it can't do it is when you're getting in the way. So people have this, like, you know, with the manifestation, how do I manifest things and that? Like, the simplest way to manifest anything in your life is get the fuck out of the way. And stop, like, stop, uh, you know, living in fear, living in lack, thinking you can't do it. Just do what resonates with you in the here and now. Live in appreciation, live in enjoyment, live in unconditional love, which is the pure recognition of what's going on without judgment. And the rest will take care of itself. Ever since trying to come to you that, you're, that you want, you know, the only way it doesn't come to you is when you start worrying about the fact that it's not going to come. That's putting yourself on a different frequency, and then it's difficult to receive that frequency then.
0: Mhm. So when you notice your mind going there and doubting, like, oh, it's been a month and I don't have that thing yet, what do you do then?
1: I would give it unconditional love and say to it, that's okay that you say that. Instantly, I'm on the frequency of unconditional love, which is, as far as I'm concerned, the highest frequency that you can ever experience because that's what you are on the deepest level. So instead of making it wrong, you just say, well, for one, you're saying that hypnotic programming, not me. And I appreciate you and I appreciate your opinion. It's your opinion. You're allowed to have it. I'm not going to try and convince you that it's not
0: because you're not offering
1: any resistance to it. Mm -hmm.
0: And am I right in saying that, yeah, in, in applying unconditional love, in accepting it, in not resisting, you take away its its energetic charge yeah, and definitely. therefore reduce the influence it has on your subconscious?
1: Well, yeah, you're taking away this idea that you are it, basically. It's trying yeah. to sell you an identity of this person who can't do it. And if you accept it, then basically... You become that person seemingly. You take on the identity of a person and therefore you start thinking like they would think. You start feeling like they would feel and you start taking action like they would take action. So if you don't really think that you can do it, then you're not going to take action to do it, are you? And therefore it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy all the time. But you can break out of that at any moment, at any time by just saying, well, that's okay that you say that hypnotic programming you're selling an
0: idea to me and I'm not buying today. Thanks very much for the offer. Okay. Now I'm just bringing it back a little bit because we've, we've spoken about staying in appreciation, yep. which is something that you can do throughout the day. It doesn't necessarily need to be a formal practice, although I guess it could, but you could just sort of train your mind to throughout the day like oh what do i appreciate right now well i appreciate that it's warm because outside it's cold definitely i appreciate that like i'm not starving like i ate about an hour ago which is nice and it was so easy for me to do that i was just like oh i was hung i'm hungry i'm gonna go get food yeah. and like three minutes later i was eating yeah like so great
1: when <laughs> some people can't do that yeah they can't do it some people are like you oh, just I'm take it for granted yeah and that's the way the mind works. It sort of focuses on what it thinks is the negative things because it wants to reduce the resistance, but it causes resistance by focusing on those things all the time.
0: It wants to reduce resistance and yeah, so it because, focuses on the negative. Yeah.
1: So when things happen to you, for instance, let's say, some, let's make an extreme example of it because it's easier to understand. Say, like, a trauma happens to you and that, like, the mind will often replay that trauma again and again and again in your subconscious, in your, in your um, imagination. Why? Because it wants to gain insights out of it because it wants to prevent that happening again.
0: Mm, it's trying to learn from that traumatic it's experience So as to be able to prevent it from ever happening again.
1: Exactly. And okay. this is the difference between the victim mentality and the empowered mentality. So the victim mentality will watch that film again and again and again and just keep judging itself all the time, saying, I was so stupid, I shouldn't have done that, and blame itself. Oh, it's all my fault, or it's all their fault and that, because it's a victim. It thinks it's a victim. Whereas the empowered mentality would ask empowering questions and say, okay, what did I learn from that? And that's really what the mind wants from you, wants you to learn from it. So when you ask, what did I learn from that? Suddenly, insights will pop up. And when they pop up, you can ask the next empowering question, which would be, okay, now I understand this. Now I'm aware of this. How am I going to do it differently next time? Say that that same situation happens again. How am I going to do it now differently from now on, using these insights that I've learned? And then I would finish it off as well by asking the why question. And I would suggest that you only ever ask the why question with something positive and something beneficial. So most people ask the why question for like, Why am I so stupid? Why does it always fail? All this kind of thing. And all you're asking for basically is just evidence of that being true. Now say it isn't true. Your brain will just like make shit up. Well, it's probably because and then fill it in and make a little story about it because you've asked it the wrong question. It's just like a computer. What did he say in computer language? Garbage in, garbage out. This is a prime example. But in the empowering questions, because we're focused on what we do want, we're focused on the positive, we're focused on the advantageous, then we want to be asking the right like question. So what did we learn from it? We learned this. How are we going to do it differently now or better next time? We're going to do it like this. Why is it important now to do it like that? And then ask again. So another answer come up and then why is that important? Why is that important? Mm. Why is that important? And like really what you're doing, you're hammering it in, you're making it concrete. So from that mistake, which is just a learning moment, but the victim mentality would call it like, you know, a mistake or it's proved that I'm not good enough. Where the empowered mentality would go, oh, learning moments. Thanks so much for that. I've learned something from that. I'm going to evolve now. Mm. I'm going to make myself like, you know, more, I'm going to get more insights out of that.
0: But it, it sounds like it's more, Maybe I would rephrase, you said a learning moment, I would maybe rephrase it to a learning opportunity.
1: Also? Great, yeah. Because That's you cool. don't
0: necessarily learn from your mistakes. You can make tons of mistakes and and not, and not repeat them because you haven't taken the time to reflect on them and extract the insight and understand how you could do things differently.
1: Yeah, that would be a good thing, yeah. Like a learning opportunity. Mm. A, a moment to learn something whether you actually learn it or not it's a different matter of course and the victim mentality doesn't really want to learn anything from it it just wants to give itself shit and beat itself up Mm. and say that it's so stupid because then it will probably get sympathy either from other people or from another part of your personality inside that says oh you know we are such a victim and oh you know it's it's all we can't do anything about it and that way it'll get like a little bit of sympathy and it loves sympathy it's like it's it's only way to get conditional love. One of the only ways. Again, it's all just a belief, you know. It's it's not really real from that perspective. Looking through those uh, those filters, it's real for it at that time. That's for sure. That's why it'd be like it's good to recognize that and appreciate that from that perspective through those filters. Yeah, you're completely right, you know. At the same time, there's a million other perspectives. And a million other filters that would give a completely different experience, and the empowered mentality would recognise that and choose for that.
0: I want to ask you something, and then and then we'll go back to uh, beliefs. But just uh, just going to throw this out there: if there was one thing that you could do to, like in in your definition of spiritual alchemy, you said uh something along the lines of transform thought processes beliefs and uncomfortable feelings into something positive or even magical if there is one if there was one thing that people like anyone listening here could do to facilitate that process what would it be
1: well obviously unconditional love self love because that covers all of them all in one go
0: and what what does that actually look like unconditional love
1: well the pure recognition of what's going on without judging.
0: So the absence of resistance?
1: Yeah, basically. Acceptance,
0: total acceptance of everything?
1: Yeah, but not that it's good or bad, that it's happening, or it seems to be happening mm-hmm. at that time. That it that it's there, kind of thing. Right. You're not saying it's good or bad, you're just saying, there it is. Yeah, it's, it's perceived at the moment that that's happening. Yeah. So like I think we just said before, something about the thought comes along, like, you know, uh, some limited belief. And you could just say to it, well, that's okay that you say that. You're saying that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying you're the one saying we're limited and we won't be able to do it. That's your opinion, hypnotic programming. It's not my opinion. I don't associate with that. Because I know I'm unlimited potential and I recognize that. And therefore, when you come with a limiting belief, that's your limiting belief. Hypnotic programming. And I'm not buying But I'm not making it wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying from your perspective, that's true for you. It's not a perspective that's helpful for me at the moment. And therefore, thanks. But that's your opinion.
0: Okay. And then going back to beliefs, we were talking about how to transform limiting beliefs into empowering beliefs. But then we, we went on, like we started speaking about you, you want, you asked me for a specific example Mm -hmm. and I gave you the one about money and then you told me what essentially what you want is fulfillment. Yeah. But I feel like we didn't really address how to transform limiting beliefs into empowering beliefs.
1: Yeah. Well, uh Well, you've got to remember as well, each example's different. So think of it like you're like a handyman with a toolbox and you go to a house and they ask you for one kind of service. So you use a certain set of tools for that one specific to that uh, job. And then you go to another house and they'll ask you for a different service and you'll use a different set of tools for that. So each one, you would say, like you could approach each limiting belief in a different way. So when you gave me that one, at that moment, that way seemed the best way to sort of create doubt in that belief that you need money to do all those things to feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so that was the way that sort of popped out the most and said, like, well, this is going to be the most helpful at the moment to do that. So there's not like a... There's probably a few questions that you could use for all of them, but you want to be approaching them as individual um experiences where you want to be specific to those. If you want to be like, you know, if you want to get right down to the core very quickly, that's probably the best way to do it, is to have different tools ready and that you know how to use those tools. And then just what I did is I just allowed my subconscious to select one of them and say to me, say this one.
0: Okay. And are these tools NLP tools?
1: Well, NLP has made uh some processes and some ideas. Because remember NLP, um a lot of where those tools come from is because what they did is they noticed in the real world when people were doing things that really worked very well and then they noticed when people were doing things that didn't work very well. So people what's well, an example? Uh I always remember one when I was learning NLP because I used to always lose my keys all the time and uh so they asked people and I would never lose the keys. How do you do that? You know what I mean? You never lose them on that. Like, and then they ask people, what do you do who always lose the keys? So what they do then is they get a, like a little list of like all the things that the people do who never lose the keys. And then a list of all the things that people do who always do lose the keys. And then they distill out of that. What makes the difference? What are they doing that the other ones aren't doing? And then they make what you would call then a strategy or a process out of that. And then that would become a tool. So a lot of those NLP tools, they've come from real life situations, real world situations. And NLP, I've sort of made a tool out of it, called it something and give it a label. So a lot of those tools, they, they're used anyway. Maybe in like, you know, if you go to the Eastern meditations and stuff like that, a typical one from the Eastern meditations, what, were, um, what was very uh, common is to be able to distance yourself from the situation. It's like zooming out. To be able to zoom out, look at the situation objectively from outside, and then discover what, like, look, look at yourself in the, sort of, in the film kind of thing and see what you're doing from that perspective. Whereas most people don't ever zoom out, they're always zoomed in, and that's why it's difficult for them to find, like, the answer that they're looking for. Mm. So, those NLP made something like, uh, I think it's called, if I remember rightly, the Fast Phobia Cure. And this is, using that zooming out and zooming in kind of idea as well as other ideas but well, that's basically what's based on but this is not a new idea this is like ancient knowledge people and like, especially in the east they have like a lot of more spiritual things it's a very well-known tool but they would call it something different so NLP is great because it's basically gone round and you know noticed all these tools that work and then gave them a name put them in a list and said learn these and you've got a big tool load of tools in your toolbox you know yeah. so conversational hypnosis came from as well as they realized that some people had have conversational hypnosis patterns so I think one I remember from the training when I used to when I first started off what was it people would come to like a famous hypnotherapist and they'd say things like uh, You know, the more my boss speaks to me with that tone, the more I get pissed off. So the therapist, I think it was like Milton Erickson, this one, he recognized that like that happens a lot when people come to me and you get stuck in certain things. That happens a lot. You know, it's like a double bind. The more they do this, the more I do that. So he thought, well, what would happen if I took the negative meanings out and I put positive meanings in? So in the hypnosis world, a, a classic one is like, you know, uh, the deeper you go into trance, the better you feel. That's using the same language structure, but now it's focused on what you do want and something positive. So again, NLP, notice that, writ it all down, found out what was working, what wasn't working, created strategies, processes, and stuff like that from it, and then called it an NLP tool, give it a name, you know? Mm. So if we go back to the the example I was given, one that I remember, is that what they said to like the people who never lost the keys, they asked them, well, how come you never lose them? And he said, well, what I do is when I'm going to put my keys down, I think to myself, when am I going to need my keys next? So a typical one would be like, well, when I go outside, so what they do is they put them in the door you never lose them that way because yeah. they now they've thought ahead. They've used that that process of being able to go into the future and think, well, when I next use my keys, what am I going to use them for? Where am I going to use them? And then put them in that position. So that's what I do as well. So yeah. like uh, when I'm going to use my keys, I'll just, I've got like a place where I'll just hang it right by the door. Or I'll just put it in the door itself. And it almost never lose my keys because I applied that strategy, I applied that tool, and it became part of my hypnotic programming. It just becomes normal now. So when I'm going to put my keys down and that the program will kick in and say, oh, put them in the door, you know what I mean, because you'll be needing them later when you're opening the door, I hardly ever lose them ever again. And you can do that pretty much with anything.
0: Okay. Um, earlier you mentioned conversational hypnosis which is something that we've spoken about before, which is something that you can use to hypnotize yourself, such as saying, from now on, I recognize more and more that I can feel fulfilled in the here and now.
1: Yeah, totally. Nice I said
0: yes. You also said to me, a while back, when I think it was like, close to a time where you first introduced the secret magic key and I asked you about hypno- hypnosis and hypnotizing myself and you said something along the lines of, well, it might be better to wait to do that until most of that negative programming is gone because otherwise uh, the the hypnosis could... I don't remember exactly what you said, but you you kind of said it's best to first get rid of neutralize, neutralize the the negative programming and then start adding positive programming.
1: Yeah, well, it's sort of like, I would never say to get rid because again, that comes from like a a self-rejection kind of thing. So I would say always be aware of how you're defining things like this. So instead of getting rid of something, you want to, like, let it go. It sounds a lot different if you listen to it. Like, imagine someone said to you, like, I want to get rid of you. You know what I mean? Instead of, I'd like to let you go. Mm -hmm. It sounds a lot softer, you know what I mean? It sounds a lot more friendly. Instead of, like, you're a problem, I don't like you. Instead of, like, it's just not resonating anymore. I have to let you go. So think of it like that. And then I wouldn't say, like, wait to let go of the negative programming. There are two different ways that I could think of now very simply that you could change the the programming. So one of them would be to use conversational hypnosis and keep adjusting the suggestion till you don't feel any kind of resistance in your body. That would be one way to do it. Another way to do it would be to exactly say the suggestion that you want and it on purpose trigger the resistance inside and then when you trigger it just give it like give it unconditional love so apply unconditional love to it so if it was a feeling you would say like it's okay to feel you now and then just give it kind loving curious attention and do it that way so you don't want to really think of it like you want to get rid of stuff because it's in your program it's a part of you you either if it's up there in like the beliefs and all that kind of stuff like the perceptions you, you want to reprogram that. You want to adjust it. You want to, like, um, maybe let go of some things and replace it with other things. And if it's more in your body kind of thing, you want either, to either heal it or balance it.
0: It's just two different ways of saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so... Yeah. And there's n- neither way that you would say is better, like, by either using a phrase that doesn't elicit any emotional negative unpleasant reaction or by purposefully using a phrase that does elicit that kind of feeling and then applying unconditional love to it
1: yeah it just depends on what resonates with you the best at the time like i would probably nowadays i would always use the magic secret key which is be the one to trigger it on purpose i want it to come up i want that uncomfortable feeling to come up because i don't see it as a problem i see it as a very valuable advisor And it's going to basically tell me, like, what I need to know. But if you're starting off, that can be pretty intense sometimes because you're going to trigger heavy shit down there, like, and sometimes it's going to be, like, really intense stuff that comes up. And if you haven't, like, sort of learned the skill of how to do that properly and you're not being guided by someone who knows what they're doing, then suddenly you could be very much overwhelmed by those feelings, you know? And you could go into a big spiral, and then you know you it's more difficult to come out of it, whereas the conversational hypnosis technique is a lot more safer way for the think of it like if you're like a child you know that that would be more better for the child because it hasn't learned properly how to deal with those intense emotions because people often see those intense emotions as problems and they want to get rid of them, and when you once you start doing that, all you're going to do is strengthen it and make it worse. Yeah. Because you're trying to get rid of something that's a part of you. So it's just self-rejection It's just going to help. I think we, we spoke about it last time. You know, if you advise, if you ignore your advisors, sooner or later the advisor of depression is going to come along and say, you've been ignoring all the subconscious advisors that eh? so now I have to come along. Because you're rejecting yourself all the time. Stop doing that. So I would say the safest way if you're just starting off is to do the conversational hypnosis because that way you can say something to yourself and you can notice straight away if it doesn't feel good and then you could use the guidelines to readjust the suggestion so it sounds in a way that there's no resistance to it and that way you're just giving yourself that suggestion all the time and it's very safe and you're not triggering anything at all. That's the idea. You're avoiding the trigger but you're wording it in such a way that you want to get your hypnotic suggestion in
0: and like, th- like bypassing the, the programming, basically. But then the programming remains?
1: Well, it'll only remain for as long as those suggestions don't get in. So if you get those suggestions then after a while,
0: the programming will start to loosen up. Okay, so e- either way, you do neutralize, you let yeah. go of that programming. It's
1: just two different ways of doing it now. Yeah
0: is one way quicker than the other
1: Well again it depends on what your skill level is and what you what you understand about what you're doing and stuff like that it depends on a lot of things you know
0: And how can you improve those skills
1: Well by using them
0: all the time Okay by using conversational hypnosis more and more Yeah I and so you you mentioned a book to me a while ago uh, it was called Slight of Mouth Yeah Is that a book to read to learn those skills
1: well it's not actually a book it's like uh, an nlp set of uh, skills to a uh, set of questions that you can challenge limiting beliefs with so i would highly recommend that you get that in your toolbox mm-hmm. you know because again they're all different tools you don't know what the the, the job's going to be at that time every job's going to be a little bit different and a little bit you know um it's gonna require and it's unique. Every situation is unique. So if you come with this idea that you're going to get, like, one way of fixing everything, you know, which, again, you only want to be fixing stuff in your head or, like, the, the programming and stuff like that. You can't fix feelings, so forget that idea because you're just going to make it worse. If you're just coming with the idea that you're just going to have one way of doing it, it's going to work all the time, then you're just going to be fooling yourself, you know. You want to be, like, a, a really skilled handyman that comes along and it doesn't matter what's happening in my house. A handyman comes along and he says, Listen, you know, there's a leak there or there's like something's broke there. It doesn't matter to him. He can do anything. And it could be a handy woman as well. It's just more like a it's a more understand understood word, isn't it? You know, when I say handy man,
0: I mean like, you know, handy human handy person. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you learn the tools by using the tools. Exactly. Which makes sense. Yeah. Um yeah, by making it a habit to to implement them whenever you're like, oh, for some reason I'm telling myself that I can't do this. Exactly. And you yeah. open up the toolbox.
1: Yeah, open up the toolbox and then yeah. think to yourself which tool at the moment's going to be the most helpful to me. Yeah. You know that's one of my favorite questions to ask in any situation, at any moment, at any time. Is this helping me? What's going to help me the most? That's often a question that I I used to ask consciously all the time when I was working with people, helping them transform. But now it's just a subconscious understanding that that's where I'm always coming from. I'm always, like, sort of coming from the intention. How can I help this person in the best way possible in this moment right now? Mm-hmm. And if you apply that for yourself, then you'll always, you'll get the best tool for you in that moment, at that time, with your skill level and, and that kind of thing, you know. So again, it's always, like, unique. Approach every situation, like, it's completely unique because it is. Mm. So one time you'll use this. I have my favorite tools. You know the uh, I have the tools that I like to use all the time. I love those tools. They work amazingly, really good. But every now and again, I'll use a tool that I haven't used for a long time because the situation requests it. And my subconscious will be like, oh, here's the, use this tool like that because I haven't used it for a long time, but it'd be like this is gonna work for you in this moment now. And if it doesn't, then I know I've learned from that moment, oh, that tool didn't work, so what made it that that tool didn't work? And then I've got more insight, and then will be like, oh, there's another tool. Use this one.
0: What would you say are your favourite tools?
1: Well, the Magic Secret Key is one of my favourites, because I love to give tools to other people. I love to empower other people by giving them the insights and the tools, and the Magic Secret Key is so simple and so powerful. It's almost too simple that the intellect it doesn't really like it at first because it doesn't understand it. It thinks it can't be that simple. It really wants to like, likes to make things difficult and stuff. So in the beginning, I even used it for years myself before I really realized that I was using the same tool in different situations, but I didn't realize it was the same one because it's just so innocent. It's so subtle, but so powerful. It can just like, it's just, that's why I call it the magic secret key because it can open anything at all. I've never come across anything that it can't open. As long as you use it in the right way.
0: hmm And the right way would be?
1: Well, the right way would be to develop the skills so you understand why it works and how it works. So I'll give you an example is that when I used to use it, wasn't just with this one either, is that like let's say I'm working with someone and um we're doing some kind of regression because there's something horrible there in the past and the subconscious has been hiding it from them all the time. But now it's starting to bother them as a trigger in their everyday life and they can't go on anymore. So they've got to deal with it. They've got to go there and find out what it is. Now, the subconscious has put it behind many doors. But in the beginning, I used to think it put it behind like one door or like a few doors. But sometimes these experiences are put behind 20 different doors. you have to open each door separately with the magic secret key go on one two three you don't know how many doors there is you only know when you've got there but mostly like the, the really intense ones roughly i would estimate they're a bit like behind like 20 different doors 20 what you would call like blockages or resistance or whatever because the subconscious is trying to protect you from them because you're not ready to feel that yet you're not ready to deal with that yet it's too traumatic. And the funny thing about it is, is that, let's say you're 30 years old. It's too traumatic for the person that was five years old. But for a 30-year-old, it's not that traumatic. But those, those like, uh, doors were put there when you were, like, five and built up over years. So I don't know this for sure, but this is always my idea of it, is that the defense mechanisms which control the doors, the, like, mental... Uh, processes that control these doors they still think that you're five so when you're there 30 and you're going to open these doors they think you're still five, they're not going to open those doors for you mm. and I, I used to have like many different ways that I do this but the magic secret key is like the most simplest because I just say to the defense mechanism or I say to the person who's sitting there just say to the defense mechanism it's okay to know this now And that will open the door. And where I'd go wrong in the past is I'd open like maybe three, four, five doors. And I think, we're not getting there. And it was because it was behind 20 doors. I just stopped using it. I'd opened five. But I didn't realize you've got to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. Sooner or later, you'll come to the last door. it will open up and then it'll be revealed. The funny thing about that is, is that every time you open a door, then... People often have like a big fear of what they're going to find there. So if it's a conscious fear, it's a fear of discovering what's there. And if it's a subconscious fear, it's a fear of revealing something to you that you can't deal with. So every time you open a door, the funny thing about it is, is the fear just like diminishes a little bit. So imagine you've got 20 doors. As you're getting like closer and closer and closer and closer, the fear gets sort of less and less and less and the curiosity builds up and gets more and more and more. So when you eventually get to that last door and you open it up, it's like, is that all it was? And it might be something horrible. It might be like sexual abuse or whatever. But for a 30-year-old, it's more like, okay, yeah, it's not nice, you know what I mean? But I thought it was going to be something like, you know, unbelievably horrible and that, which sexual abuse is unbelievably horrible. But it's not as horrible as you imagined it to be because you built it up the whole time, you know? And then when you actually get there, it's like, is that it? Is that all it was? And sometimes it can be like really simple things like, you know, maybe something like you, you lost your mother for like a minute one time when you were in the shopping center. For a child of like five, that's just like devastating. That's like if we crash landed in the middle of the jungle and it was a thousand kilometers in each way. And we were like, shit, how are we gonna get out of here? We're not gonna make it. That's what it's like for a child of five. But for an adult of thirty, and they look back on that and you think, Okay, it's not nice, but it's not that bad, you know? And that's where the healing comes from.
0: From from what exactly?
1: From the realisation that like for one you survived it. And for two, it's just like it's not really that bad at all. Yeah. Mm.
0: Okay going back to the magic secret key is that also one way that you neutralize and transform those beliefs
1: yeah you could do it like that as well because again you could say to the belief that's you saying that so any belief that comes along and you could just say to it well that's okay for you to say that it's okay for you to believe that old hypnotic programming because that's all it is because beliefs are built up of experiences that you've had in the past but there is no past it's all imaginary I like to call it like the um, the mental prison of the past when they're very limited and they restrict you. That's why I like to call it the mental prison of the past because that's what it is. It's not real. It's an imaginary prison that you've put yourself in because you believe that you are that person that's limited. And really, you're limited consciousness. And when you repeat that back to the belief and just say, well, that's okay that you think that, So that belief in the beginning that you had is not, like I said, you know, I'm going to have to have all that money here, otherwise I'm never going to go do all that thing, I'm never going to feel fulfilled. You could just repeat back to it and say, well, that's okay that you think that. That's your belief, hypnotic programming. I have unlimited potential. You really think I'm going to let you limit me with that, like, limiting belief? Thanks for the offer, you know. But uh, I'm not buying today. Mm. Come with some other belief. I might. uh, I might be buying. Say so come along and said, like, uh, well, you know what? We could probably do all that without having that money. I'd be like, oh, that's an interesting belief. It's also a belief. That sounds a little bit more empowering to me. It's a bit more helpful for what I want. Going back to that question, one of my favorite questions. Is it helpful? Is this helping me to get what I want? Instead of staying in that duality, as, is it right? Is it wrong? Is it true? Is it false? Stay out of that. Is it helpful to me at this moment? Is that getting me what I want? And if a belief comes along and says, well, maybe you don't really need money to get all those things, you could get it a different way. Be like, oh, that sounds interesting. Tell me more.